coming up next. We want to be able to look back on our careers as we're retired and older and really be thankful for the opportunity. Really thinking about the legacy that we want to be leaving behind, but also to think too is what do I want to be known for? The Job Talk podcast shares stories from people who are passionate and love what they do in their careers. Through conversation, we explore their careers, past work experiences, and the education that got them to where they are now. We are putting together a Career Crisis Ultimate interview series. We are asking experts to give their best advice and guidance around work anxiety, career pressures, career goal setting, and ultimately career transformation. To learn more about this special interview series and get notified when it's available, please visit our webpage at thejobtalk.com help. Today's guest is Jennifer Kirkland. Here's our job talk with a leadership and career coach. Jennifer, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm going to jump right into the interview and get to the heart of it. You've worked sure. at various levels in government. Yes. What, why did you make the, <laughs> the decision to change to becoming a leadership and career coach? It's such a long story, but it's a good one. Um, my career has definitely not been linear. It's not from point A to point B. If you could kind of picture a metaphor of a climbing wall, that that's me. Um, so years ago, I had trained to become a career coach. And I had worked with nonprofits and uh, worked in high schools. And, uh, and then I also worked in government part-time connecting Albertans to resources. And that's kind of how it started. And putting out fires. And uh, then when my husband and I, his business had sold and we'd moved up to Edmonton, the Edmonton area, then I got into more into government um, and kind of worked doing career stuff kind of on the side. And then several years into government, an opportunity presented itself to become a career coach working with government employees. And that's kind of how I got into to that, becoming a career coach with um employees working within the government in different all different levels from admin assistants all the way up to executive directors and senior leadership and that's kind of where it went from there so what types of courses and education are you taking to become a career coach so my first degree is a bachelor of arts in psychology then i did a diploma in career development uh, through concordia university of edmonton and then from there, I became an Erickson certified professional coach. Uh, and then I did other trainings within coaching to become, to uh, enhance the skill set as for a career coach. Yes. So these, uh, ed- the education that you're taking and the courses that you're taking, is this happening in the evening? And the reason I ask, could you do <laughs> all of this education if your kids were small? Or did you need your kids to graduate from high school and start their life with university to be able to do it? Both. Yeah. So I think for my kids, if you were to, if they were on the call with us right now, they would kind of laugh and they would say, well, mom's always been in school. Yeah. So uh, my husband and I, we had our kids young, quite young. And so uh, that came first. And while they were young, I went back to school and worked evenings and weekends 
to finish all of the education. And then when my youngest daughter uh, graduated from high school, then I made the decision to go back and do a master's degree in counseling psychology. So they kind of just laugh. They think that that's all kind of all I've ever done is is go to school. (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah. let's let's plug what you're doing right now. What services sure. do you, do you provide to your clients? Right. So, I am a career coach and that's kind of primarily what I do, but I also dabble a bit in leadership performance as well. So, individuals come to me either mid-career um or even just starting out wondering, well, what do I do with my life? Um what should I do? And so I get to join them on a journey to discover what it is that they want to do and help them through that. Um, And as I said previously, I work with individuals who are mid-career, people who are either looking to become more effective in their role, uh, whether that's through professional development or experiential learning. Um, And I also support people uh, nearing retirement and, and planning for that. And those are, are those are fun conversations, <laughs> yeah. to be honest, helping people plan out what they want to do in that stage of life. Yeah. How, how do you know if a client, a potential client is going to be the right fit for you? And that is actually the client has to decide that for themselves as well as if I am the right fit for them. Um, We do kind of a preliminary session where we just kind of chat and and talk about what the client's goals are, what they're hoping to achieve, what they would love to see happen around their career. Um, They get an opportunity to ask me questions as well. And, uh, And I guess it's just to see if there's a natural fit. And if not, then I would definitely refer them to other colleagues that I have or individuals, help connect them to resources that would better serve them. What, what are your techniques for pushing people out of their comfort zones? And does that happen? <laughs> Is that, <laughs> are you trying to help people, you know, yeah, basically come out of their comfort zones? I like doing that, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, I like to challenge people in a good way. If you kind of think of the analogy of having a pebble in your shoe, walking, and it's a little bit uncomfortable, but not enough to take it out. Yeah. That's me. <laughs> and so I really want people to, to challenge people to think outside the box and, and to really to consider different options and uh, to challenge their perspectives and also to challenge their beliefs uh, and values, or not values, sorry, but beliefs about who they are and what it is that they want. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, if not, we would just be having a really nice conversation. And that, I mean, that's helpful, but that's not going to help them choose their career or help them better themselves that way. Yeah. yeah. And, and how do you track a client's progress? Great question, Kim. Yeah. So tracking it. (laughs) Well, every session that we're working together, uh, the individual has homework to complete. And, and most often it's their identified goals, their actions that they want to take. And so I'm helping build in an accountability and, and commitment with that. And then every time that I meet with a client, I'm challenging them as to what they accomplished. And if they didn't accomplish those tasks, we spend some time in discussing why not and what, and reevaluating the goals and and what they want to accomplish. And always in every conversation, just checking in with the client about what it is that they want to do. Um, 
And then over time, we kind of, in the beginning, we set goals about what we want to accomplish and, and set small steps as to what they want to achieve. And that's how we measure, uh, measure growth and progression through okay. that. Imposter syndrome is something <laughs> I've struggled with throughout my, my career. Can you, is it, is it a common thing? Can you explain yes. to our listeners what imposter syndrome is? And how you can help people, um, I guess, you know, out of that mindset of being, feeling like an imposter. I too sometimes feel like an imposter. It's common. It's quite normal. Um, We want to perform well in the tasks that we're doing. And we want to look and, and be seen as competent. And it's something that we all kind of grapple with and and just giving an example is for those individuals who are thinking about moving into management um most people have that imposter syndrome of like i don't know if i could do that um and and so it's it's kind of challenging people again to think outside the box and think about possibilities and and doing that and to um work with an individual to build confidence um to acquire their goals and yeah imposter sim, sim, imposter syndrome sorry i've had one cup of coffee and <laughs> <laughs> trying to put my words together this morning uh yeah it's definitely a thing and i find myself even too just finishing a master's degree and having completed a practicum experience as a psychologist i too have imposter syndrome of yeah. will people think that i'm competent will people think that i know what i'm doing yeah. And can they tell if I'm winning? <laughs> Is it so it's tied to confidence and you know mm-hmm. I I went through a career change and it's it's funny you you can't really you don't know what it feels like until you go through it. So mm-hmm. you know you're plodding along through life, you're confident and then one day it it feels like your confidence is gone and I think I tied imposter syndrome to that mm-hmm. how how do you start to improve somebody's confidence or the way they look at themselves it's it's really getting underneath uh if a person's feeling fearful where is that coming from uh where do you feel that within your body what's what are you experiencing and and pausing and taking a step back to reflect on how that could be yeah. um what I think too is with our society is that our careers are tied so much to our identity of who we are as a part people. Like if us just were to meet in conversation, I'd be like, Hey, Kim, how are you? What is it that you do? Yeah. <laughs> it's just a natural given it's with small talk. And so there's so much tied to that. Um, and there's so much pressure there. Yeah. It's funny. Did I can. You- it's, oh, sorry. I'm sorry. Did I, I completely just, answer your question? I'm you, not sure you did. If I did. You did. Okay. And I was just thinking, I was at a, a company picnic yesterday and I was, I was making a point to observe the interactions between people. And the yeah. question, what do you do for a living? What do you do for work? Is the first question that, that people would ask at that picnic. And to a certain yeah. degree, I find that sad because is that what society has built up that we're just defined by, by what we do in our, our nine to five and our, our work lives? That that's a sad statement almost to me. Um, it's so true though, isn't it? Yeah. 
But yeah. it, it, yeah. it absolutely is the first question that I heard everyone when they were meeting. It's just like, what do you do for work? And I'm just like, why can't we talk about hobbies? <laughs> <laughs> because, um, you know, what's, what's, I agree, Kim. It's so sad because we, people are interesting and we're complex and there's so much more to us than a job title um, yeah. and where we work. Uh, and, and when we don't ask questions about, if we just stick to those questions about who you are and what is it that you do, then we're limited in what we really get to know about a person. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Your industry, it, mm -hmm. it feels like there is a, there are a lot of snake oil salesmen in your, your industry <laughs> and, oh, you know, yes. I, I've, I've experienced it and there's a lot of people out there willing to help you and claim that they've, they've got all the right answers through fishing, uh, exercises. What yes. should a, what should a person do if they're in a personal or professional crisis? Sometimes it's both mm -hmm. because they can be connected. What yeah. should they look for when seeking out a coach? Oh, and, and I agree. And it's really frustrating for me after having gone through all of the education and, and um, testing and um, auditing. It, it's very frustrating for me to go online and see my social media feeds filling up with people who promise this really quick answer. You yeah. can have everything that you desire. Um, but for me, um, I would be looking for, if you're looking for a coach, definitely look for someone who is accredited. And so for, for me, I'm accredited, I'm a professionally certified coach, accredited with the International Coaching Federation. So I've finished all of the requirements and, uh, and I'm an accredited coach. Um, and also with that too is seek, look for someone who has the education in the background and the particular area that you're looking for. So not only am I a sort of professionally certified coach, but I also have training in career development. And a lot of people will hang up a shingle outside their door and say, I'm a life coach. Yeah. I'm a career coach. I can help you make all your dreams come true. And they're not qualified to do those specific tasks. And within career development, it's quite a complex uh, field. And it's, it's so much more than just completing online interest inventories to determine your career path. Um, and so really do your homework. A career, searching for your career and planning should be the same as um, buying a home, buying, you know, making a major life purchase. Lots of times people just wait for something to fall into their laps. Yeah. And, um, and, and so this this decision where you want to go with your career really should take a lot of time and energy researching um, to make sure that you are speaking with a qualified professional. It's also important to ask them about their knowledge about the career development process. That will weed out uh, those coaches who say they have experience in career development and may not. So the first phase of the career development process is reflect. And as I said previously, it's all about understanding the individual, um, what your educational history was, what are your interests, what are your values, what are your strengths, um, those skills. 
that's the important first phase of, of um, the career development process because typically most individuals will look at a, a profession, a job title, and try to fit themselves into it. But it's really important with the career development process to pause, take a step back, get a strong sense of who you are, and have a strong knowledge, that self-awareness piece. That's the first stage of career development. The second stage is all about research. And so once, and when I'm working with a client, if they have that first phase finished, then we start looking at occupations of interest. And we don't just look at job titles. We look at duties and tasks and responsibilities. And I kind of gauge with the client as to how interested are you in that? And so we we work through that, doing some research online, but then I also support the individual to talk to people. People who love what they do love to talk about it. You buy them a fattening Starbucks and you ask them some open-ended questions, you get such great information from them. So coaching an individual to do in, informational interviews. So that whole research phase is a research project, but it's on themselves. So then once they have all of that data, that information, then we sit down and we kind of weed through it. We go through it. And then we we look at those criteria that we established in that first phase, those check boxes of what you're looking for. And we see how different occupations might check off those boxes. The third phase is, so it's reflect, research, decide, is making some decisions. Um, looking at how long you want to go to school, what kind of work environments do you want to be in? Um, and then we work through a process where we help them to decide about what they want to do. And then the final phase is plan. So it's take all of that information, those choices, and to create some action steps and to move forward. And it's definitely not a linear process. It's a circular one. And so we might pause at one phase and a person might talk to an individual and realize that they don't want to do that role and that's okay then we work a little bit backwards and then we go forwards again so it's really important when you're looking for a career coach make sure that they have education and training in the career development process yeah that's it's that's really it's huge it's interesting you mentioned that do you find that a lot of people get hung up on their age and so you're you're going through mm -hmm. a crisis and speaking personally, 47 years old, 47 years old, and you want to make a career change, but then you look at some of the links of the years you have to put into just going through the training and education process. Like, I don't right. think it's realistic. And my dad would probably confirm this, that uh, I could turn around and become <laughs> a, a brain surgeon. So I don't know. Do you, I guess my question was at the front of that before the tangent. Um, do you find that people get hung up on their age and feel like they're too yeah. old to change? Oh, definitely. But a lot of that is it's tied to fear a little bit too about what would be possible. But also too, like definitely there is ageism and there is sexism that we will experience throughout our career. Um, and a person thinks, well, you know, I have X amount of time until I retire what do I want to do? But I like to challenge that a bit because I'm a person that went back to school yeah. throughout my career. Well, learning is a hobby for me, so I'll always be going to school. But um, you and I, we may see the world differently based on our worldview and what we believe about ourselves. But, but the one thing that we have in common, Kim, is our relationship to time. And so 
I always ask people that is like, so in a year from now, if, if let's just spend some time and think hypothetically, let's imagine what could be possible. So let's say it's a year from now and you haven't made any decisions and you're still in that role. What's that like for you? How satisfying is that for you? How meaningful? Okay, let me come back. Okay, so it's a year from now or five years from now and you decided to take that training and your role has changed. What's that like for you? We want to be able to look back on our careers as we're retired and older and really be thankful for the opportunity. Um, really thinking about the legacy that we want to be leaving behind, but also to think too is what do I want to be known for? And the life that I wanted, we've only got one shot at this, so we want to maximize it and, and have the best life possible. And so it's it's thinking about what you want to accomplish in your life and then looking backwards um, to where we are now. And to think about, you know, yes, school is expensive. Yes, it's an investment. But it's all about what you value mm -hmm. and what's important to you. And so it's important to consider that as well, too. And so if we're in a role that we're feeling when our values are, are compromised, if we're feeling frustrated, tired, sad, annoyed, um, it's because we're in a situation where our values are being infringed upon. And so it's really important for us to pause and check into that, like dial in and go, where's that coming from? Why am I experiencing that? And it is possible to have those things that you want. It's just a way to work through that. I don't know if I answered that question, but yeah, it's, it's, we want to look back on our careers and, and really be happy and, and really satisfied that we did something that we're proud of. We're happy with. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What, what are some obvious misconceptions out there about career and leadership coaches? Obvious misconceptions. Um, well, anybody that's promising you that uh, you can have it all, you can do it all. The the phrase that really gets me is this work-life balance. Yeah. Uh, it's just kind of like a buzzword that they drop. Um, work-life balance is defined so differently by the individual. Um, it, it's all about what works for you. <laughs> yeah. Not working for everybody. Um, so those are some important things to keep in mind. Um and really avoid the sales pitch. Yeah. Yeah. And slick look marketing. To, slick marketing. Look for qualifications. Uh, ask if you could speak, look at their references or um, testimonials are really powerful too. What, what do you think you love most about being a coach? I just love joining people in the journey. I love meeting new people and hearing about their backgrounds and, and their career history. Um, everybody's got some really unique, interesting stories, and I've always loved that. And I really enjoy um, the first phase of career development is reflect. And it's all about reflection, about what your skills, your strengths, your values, your interests are. And I really love those conversations with people to help them become more self-aware of, of who they are. And uh, those are fun conversations, yeah. That's yeah. what I really enjoy. And I love to see them uh, going through this journey and then finally 
entering, whether it's going back to school or finding a job or even making changes within their current role to become more effective in the role that they already have is, is really meaningful and really satisfying for me. Yes. And, and some of your biggest challenges when you're working with a client? <laughs> um, sometimes people get stuck and they work so hard to stay stuck. Um, yeah. Sometimes people fear possibilities and options. Um, the fear of change can be huge for people. And so that can be challenging, but uh, I enjoy a good challenge. <laughs> and I, I really like to um, ask some thought provoking questions uh, using some different interventions to help them kind of get an idea of where that fear is coming from, uh, how that started and ways to work through that so that they could, um, and al almost telling people that let's do a little bit of shopping. Instead of making a commitment, and deciding right here, right now, this is what you want to do. Why don't we just kind of address the fear and talk about it and work through it? But then let's kind of look to see what's going on over here out this door to see what could be possible. And then once we look to see what might be possible for you, then we'll come back and address that with the concerns that you have. Yeah. So most people, it's, it's, I get excited because when you get resistance from somebody, you know that you're making progress. I, I think when I reflect <laughs> back at what I went through, when I, I am calling it a midlife crisis, I was in a personal and professional crisis. I think there were a lot of factors into it where I was 20 years into um, my place of business. Mm -hmm. And I had that overwhelming feeling of being institutionalized and yes. um, often kind of wondering what else is out there. Um, but at the same time, when you're going through that, you feel like you're mm -hmm. in a constant state of fear, like everything, yes. there's danger. You're in a constant state of danger when, when you're not. Um, so again, it's, it's an interesting, uh, it's an interesting challenge that can pop up in somebody's life, but I have two questions for you and they're, yeah. they're very similar. One specific, they're both specific. What advice would you have for someone considering making a career change? Like if you were talking to somebody that has been in a job forever, what are the first yeah. steps? And it might be to seek out a coach. Definitely. I think it's, I think we would start by pausing and then just addressing the emotions that the individual is feeling at that time. It can be all consuming. We spend so much time at work, 60% of our lives or more is at, at work. And, and, and so like we said previously, we we're talking previously Kim about how a society really um, pushes that identity and work and identity. And when we're in an all consuming job and we've spent invested 20 years there, then, um, we don't really want to give that up because we've invested so much time there. And I think, I think it's important to pause and really honor uh, what the individual has accomplished and spend some time talking about values and how that role originally had satisfied an individual's values. And then over time that may have changed. So when we come in, I'm hoping I'm answering your question, please, you, you know, Correct me if I'm not. Um, so we come to work as ourselves authentically. 
And there are times when sometimes we have to operate out of preference just to be based on the work environment. Um, we bring ourselves to work. We bring our values to work. And and all, all of our outside life factors as well. And then sometimes we get into a role and we're doing really well. And then sometimes those values, our values may change or fluctuate. Um, but then there might get be a point too where we can't... Um, our values are, sorry, I'm a visual person to talk with my hands. We come into work, our values are a certain way and there's a discrepancy between the organization and ourselves. And sometimes we can kind of tilt a little bit and shift our values just to make that work. But then sometimes it gets to be too difficult for us. And so then we may have to pause and, and leave. And, and that's okay. That's okay to do that. Because when we are in a job where um, we're passionate about that we enjoy that satisfies our interests our values and our skills there's positive psychology talks about that being flow um, you can be working in a task and look up a couple of hours later and realize where did where did the time go yeah. and and so it's important to pause and and take stock of what the individual accomplished um, and the strengths that they've learned what they've learned along the way and it's okay to find a place for them where they will thrive yeah yeah and and understandably when you're saying midlife crisis um carl jung who is the swiss psychologist that came up with um the personality typology he, he really theorized that in the in an individual's life in their 20s and early 30s they use all of their strengths and then they kind of get to a point where they've maximized all of their strengths and then they're kind of stuck. And so his, um, he hypothesized, he theorized, sorry, that if an individual kind of works on not weaknesses, but areas that are, are not, that they're not using as much as strengths, then a person can become balanced as well too. Yeah. And, and that helps with, uh, crises, but typically, like the labor statistics are showing that individuals will be in a role for maybe three to five years, and <laughs> you know, it, <laughs> and it's now, funny. like it's yeah. I was just gonna say it's funny you mentioned that because I remember being in my twenty-year career and always seeing that stat of, and I would always think about my kids that they're gonna change careers, you know, three three to every three to five years, and. um it was just, it was so foreign to me, you know, dedicating my life to uh, the same business. And suddenly you turn around and you're 47 years old. You've been a video shooter <laughs> and editor your entire life. What yeah. do you do next? It's, it, it looks like Mount Everest when, when you're in that situation. So. Yeah, definitely. And then when you have a mortgage and bills and all of that as well, and a life built for yourself. Yeah. yeah, it's it's mind blowing. And, and now they're predicting that, you know, your children, um, as they're entering the workforce, your kids may have up to 10 different career changes. It's I, it, but it's because of technology globalization. Um, yeah. And then we have a huge group of people that are going to be retiring. Um, and our, our demographics of our population will change. There's yeah. so much with the labor statistics. Um, but it's so hard for our kids right now as they're like both of us have, have children that are young can becoming young adults and there's so much pressure on them to decide what they're going to do for the rest of their life 
and they can't. It, it's just such a huge expectation for them because if it's so hard to know what they're going to be interested in in 10 years from now. Yeah. Um, and, and so it's, it's important that they realize that, that what they may be doing be, may become outdated in a few years and they may have to transition to something different. Fortunately, my kids have taken after my wife, so I think they're going to adapt quite well. They're all excellent students, which I'm tremendously proud of. Um, oh, I'm sure you were a great student too, Kim. <laughs> no, I was not a fish ed. I was good, good at Not a great athlete, but I really liked the uh, curriculum fizz at. Um, so the second question I was going to ask, what kind of advice could you give to someone that is considering becoming a leadership and career coach? What, what can you give that person? Cause you lived it starting out. You lived lived it. it. Yeah. And I'm living it now. (laughs) Well, you, you worked in government at all levels. Did you ever consider becoming a politician? No, or no. No, you I worked okay. with politicians and I decided early on that that wasn't my, that's a whole Coming other conversation. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, the roles that I did with the politicians and, and I mean, that was a really great learning experience. I'm so thankful for that because that helped me not only to connect with Albertans and to hear what was going on for them. Uh, but also too, when I would see uh, Joe Alberton yelling at a politician, I was like, no, I don't think that's for me. <laughs> but the background that I had in corporate really served me well to do leadership coaching. Yeah. And I've just been blessed to have the opportunity to do career coaching with so many different people. So working with new Canadians, youth, high school students, young adults, um, individuals just coming out of university, uh, they come into government on internship programs and helping them navigate through that. Um, mid-career and career has just been giving me so much opportunity. Um, I think it's important to for individuals to realize that they may have to work in different roles before they move into what would be their mid-career role because I think those opportunities give you so much life experience and experience working with a variety of different people is really helpful. Uh, the training for sure, definitely. Um, the coaching training that I took was not easy. It was challenging and I'm so thankful that it was because it helped me to become better at what I do. Um, and it's, it's important too, to be working in, in, I'm not going to say just in corporate, but to have leadership roles as well, because it's important for you to know where the individual is coming from. Um, and to know, to have empathy for what they're experiencing and have an understanding of that as well. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I came to you when I was going through a personal and professional crisis and you helped me out immensely. So thank you so much for you, for that. And Jennifer, I wish you all the luck as, as you proceed into your career. And thank you so much for coming on the podcast to talk to us today. I appreciate it. You're really welcome, Kim. It's always awesome talking with you. And uh, thanks for the opportunity. And I also enjoyed working with you too. Thank you for tuning in to the Job Talk podcast. For more information, please visit us at thejobtalk.com. Our podcast music was created by our friend Mike Malone in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada.